0: All right, my friends, welcome to the Rise Up Live Free Podcast. Uh, you are on the microphone today with me, Ryan Lee, and I'm excited about this conversation. I think I'm excited about all the conversations, but today is a particularly spicy one. I'm going to be uh, having a dialogue, a conversation with my man, Jimmy Vreeland. And so I'm gonna take you into that conversation here in just a moment, but I wanna give you some backstory on this conversation. So today we're gonna be talking about the idea, can uh, socialism, the concept of socialism, save capitalism? And this came from an article uh, by an investor named Bill Ackman, who is proposing that the government give newborn babies uh, money, and let the money compound in a, in the stock market for 65 years, and then everybody retires a millionaire. So we're going to be having that conversation, guys. So it, join us inside of this podcast to go in deeper into that conversation. And for those of you that are new to the podcast, remember, we are here for one specific reason, to help you become empowered with money, to help you understand that money isn't the end, end goal. Money is just a tool. It's, it's, it's an objective that we measure our exchange by, how much value that we created and how much money we're able Able to exchange based on that value. So at the end of the day, it's about solving problems. But more than that, it's not j- just about having money. It's about using the money that we have and putting it to work in a very strategic way to become financially free. We believe that anyone following our strategy can become financially free in 10 years or less. And today we're going to be talking about um, really how to act and think and function in the world of chaos that we live in today, how to act and think and function as a producer. So my friends, join me on the inside where me and Jimmy Vreeland dive into the topic of conversation today. Today. You are joining us on a live podcast leading up to where well, it's almost Christmas time, Jimmy. I woke up this morning and I had the Christmas spirit. The Christmas spirit, right? Uh yep. on my forecast. I was just showing Jimmy on my forecast, weather forecast, every single day. It's like a 10-day forecast, and there's snow listed for every single day. I'm stoked. Nice a nice white Christmas. So, Jimmy. Um, let's, I guess let's just dive in. We got some people jumping on. If you're live in the Facebook group, uh, comment, chat, engage, interact, but, uh, you're live with us on a podcast. So I'm going to start us off.
1: Actually, why don't you start us off? Jimmy, you lead, you kind of lead the podcast. Okay. Uh, so the subject of this one, a lot of podcasts just come from me and Ryan talking and, um, I'm a little fired up about, uh, a lot of people in academic, academia, And supposedly the media uh, are pushing for this resurgence of socialism and Marxism. And uh, I think we're going to do several podcasts on this, but I just don't understand it. I can't believe it. Um, I've read, uh, 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 have you ever read the Gulag Archipelago? No, I've not read that one. Uh, it's from Alexander Shulzhenitskin, and this guy we've talked about in the podcast a little bit more. But it's basically a chronicle of a man who was falsely accused and spent 20 years in the uh, in the Russian Gulag system. Dang, yeah. Uh, I'll just give it the quick bio again. The guy here's what used to happen if you were a war hero in Soviet Russia. Let's say you were a war hero. You got uh, in World War Two. And let's say you got put into a uh, a Nazi POW camp. Do you know what Stalin did after the war when you got home? No. He then threw you in one of his prisons because the belief oh, was man. you'd become too westernized. Wow. Man. So, Schultz and Niskan was a legit war hero. Uh, he was artillery officer on the Eastern Front. Uh, I don't know what people know about World War II, but the Eastern Front was vicious, vicious fighting. Uh He wrote a letter to a friend after a battle that said something um, not glowing about Stalin. And the dude spent 20 years in a hard prison labor camp.
0: And that's probably the best thing that could have happened to him. Not the best, but out of what Stalin dished out. I mean, Stalin is, he documented. I mean, he's the worst mass murderer in history. uh, 50
1: million people by himself. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. That's crazy. So my friends, today we've got, we're gonna, we're gonna tie a bow on this conversation in the the question. We wanna pose a question for this uh, podcast for, for you today. And the question is: can socialism save capitalism? Right? That seems like a pretty viable question. Can socialism save capitalism? Because you know what, here's the reality. Um People came to America, colonists came to America from the European nations primarily in the beginning, and they came with a dream and a vision, right? And they were willing to work for that dream and a vision, but they came wanting to work from the sweat of their brow and build something different. Uh, that led to um, you know, some of the early uh, consequences that led to the Revolutionary War where, and I don't know if it was the majority, Jimmy, you probably know a little bit more than this. I mean, I think there were probably a lot of people in the middle, there were some very, very firm believers in the idea of personal liberty. And then there were people that supported the regime that they came from in the European uh, nation. Um, But through the Revolutionary War, a seven-year war, we won our freedom, which then birthed the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And those two documents have truly been the foundation of the American economy for the last 300 years. And I would say more than that, the world economy for the last 300 years. We've seen more prosperity, more growth, more expansion under the idea and philosophy of capitalism than any previous time in history. The last 100 years is stark proof of the power of human ingenuity to solve problems and to expand the quality of life and the benefit for people at large. Now, Does capitalism have its flaws? Absolutely, right? And I think a lot of those flaws come from intervention from governments rather than from the actual philosophy of capitalism. But the question is, can can, uh, socialism save capitalism? So, Jimmy, where did this idea
1: come from? You saw an article about this pop up, right? Where did this article come from?
0: All right. So you can Google this. Uh, There's a guy named Bill Ackman. Uh, He's the chairman of Pershing Square Capital Management. And he's the one that proposed this idea, and the idea simply is: um, look, in in the world that we live in, there's a lot, especially in the American in America right now, there's a lot of a, a big push for socialism. That you know, capitalists are greedy; they're taking all the money. It's unfair distribution of wealth, all this stuff. And his idea, his philosophy was: why don't we give every newborn child six thousand seven hundred dollars? And let that $6,700 compound in the stock market until they're age 65. And the math behind it supports that every single person, if that happened, would would have a million dollars upon graduating, you know, upon
1: graduating to the age of 65.
0: So that's the. Wait wait a minute.
1: Did he handicap that for inflation in any way, shape or form?
0: Oh dude, just wait. We're gonna we're gonna attack we're gonna attack that. So all he did is he said, look, the SP averages about eight percent. He's right. The SP averages about eight percent. Now, there's lots of different ways we can attack this, but um, so he just said, Look, and, and I'm gonna share my screen here. We're gonna do just a teeny bit of math on this. Uh, and if you're listening on the podcast, you should be listening um, on, on Facebook. Uh, if you're on Facebook. I never remember how to use this program
1: though. So let's try hey, it. Ryan, your sound just faded. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, you're back. Oh, you stepped away from your mic. You're back now. Okay, cool, cool. Actually, I don't know if I'm going to share. I'm not going to share my screen. But uh, so I did the
0: math. Sixty-seven hundred dollars compounded eight percent over sixty-five years equals just over a million dollars. Now, Jimmy, you talked a little bit about the the reality of the stock market. So, what what is the difference between what the S and P five hundred reports as they're earning and what an individual like me, if I participate in the stock market, receives?
1: Uh, generally, Dalbar says uh, if the stock market's kicking off eight or a fund's kicking off eight, you're putting four in your pocket, right? Yes. Yep. Is that before tax or after tax?
0: Uh, that's before tax. That's before <laughs> tax. <laughs> so okay, here's here's where it's gonna get silly. Okay, so what I did first and foremost, rather than just giving it a straight eight, you know, straight line eight percent compounded in interest, um, I actually went and grabbed the actual returns that the markets have generated, the S and P five hundred have generated over the last. Um, over the last 65 years, okay? And here's the crazy part. Over the last 65 years, the average return that the market has generated has been 8.52%, but the actual return that an investor gets is 7.2%, and that's just based on the difference between, look, if the, if the stock market compounds, and I'll use a, a, a very extreme example, if you earn a 100% rate of return on your money this next year, your money doubles, but then, if you if you lose fifty percent the following year, you're back to square one. You're right back to where you started. So, if you had a hundred thousand and earned a hundred percent return, you grow to two hundred thousand. And if it lose, 50, loses fifty percent, you go to um, you go to back to a hundred thousand dollars. So your your average rate of return is fifty percent, but your
1: actual return is zero. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the point of what you're saying, and this is an idea that really uh, resonated with me when I first discovered it, but the it's a useless average return is a, a useless number, essentially. It doesn't mean you're putting any money in your pocket.
0: Yes, 100% useless. So if if we run the numbers, uh, if if we just got the actual return that the market offered, we would end up with 617,000. So not the million dollars that is straight eight, 8% guarantee or 8% compounding return would generate. We end up with 617,000. But that's not where the math even takes a big left turn. So number one we have to look at who's giving this advice so Bill uh let's see what was the name of the dude again let me pull up his name that gave this advice so he his name's Bill Ackman Bill Ackman is a portfolio fund manager now we have to ask the question does Bill and all of his friends on Wall Street do they do this do they manage money out of kindness and goodness out of a socialistic desire for everyone to be wealthy maybe <laughs> Maybe, I mean, th- th- lots of lots of information has come out. I mean, go watch the Wolf of Wall Street's documentaries after documentaries. Like, who wins in this game isn't me, the individual. I put in all the money, I take all the risk, but I'm not the first one to win. So the very first one to win is Bill and his buddies, right? They're managing a portfolio. So number one, there's a fee assessed for managing a portfolio. And let's say Bill says, hey. We're gonna do this very socialistically. We're gonna charge a low fee. Let's just say it's one percent. I mean, we've seen them as high as two or three percent. But if there's a one percent management fee on that, then the money went from six hundred and seventeen thousand to now three hundred and twenty-one thousand. So now, sixty-five years in the game, the actual return of the market. I'm only left with three hundred and twenty-one thousand. He said I was gonna have a million, but I'm only oh, yeah. Left how with-
1: many? How many? How many fee? What did the fee? Ma- the fund manager collect in fees over that time period?
0: Uh, in this example the fund manager would have collected $42,000 in fees so not a ton of fees cuz there's not a lot of money there in the beginning but here's the here's the tyranny of
1: knowledge right? in the article that hey i so generally you know we do this a good job of doing this i feel that when we personally benefit or we personally have a we are going to make money from the sale we'll at least say hey you know there's a there's an incentive gap here like a core i i'm a barber of course, you need a haircut. Like, yeah. especially me, the person I am. Like, I can disclose everything, but there's just something in me. I have. I'm always going to put whatever I'm selling in the best light.
0: Yeah, totally. And so,
1: I I forget what Taleb calls it. um It'll come to me later. But I respect salespeople who one acknowledge there's that it, an agency issue, and two, just talk about it. But he didn't say, hey. If the government handed money out to every child, fund managers would definitely benefit because we have guaranteed business. Yeah. He didn't say anything
0: about that. Not a single thing.
1: Uh, no. uh, yeah, I don't like that. Crazy. But here, here's the
0: crazy part about the math here, guys. And, and um, you know, it's only $42,000 in fees. So Bill and his buddies only made $42,000. But the, just having that 1% fee, it took what I would have had, 617000 all the way down to 300000 And here's... Every every time a fee comes out, so in year number one, a 1% fee on 67.50 would be $69. That's now $69, though, that I don't have to compound, which means that over time, compounded every single year, that's what takes out such a big balance. But here's the craziest part, and we're all feeling the pain of this right now, okay? Right now, because of socialistic spending managed and perpetuated by our government, what's going on with inflation? What is what is actually happening with the quality and the value of our dollar, Jimmy?
1: it is inflation is exploding so the value of the dollar is getting destroyed yeah
0: so let's look at inflation over 65 years and let's take let's take the average right this is what is reported to us by the government that the average rate of inflation is three percent there's lots of numbers out there that say it's much higher than that but i'm just going to take three percent if i take that three percent that three hundred twenty one thousand dollars 65 years from now do you know what that feels like in my bank account (laughs) $47,000. 47
1: thousand dollars <laughs> and in Damn. the art in the article did the guy even bring up the devaluing of the dollar no no so I'm gonna say this guy's got an agenda and I'm gonna put this as borderline dishonest
0: well it's 100 dishonest and and here's the other side of that dishonesty okay let's say that let's let's even talk about who wins in this game Um, I have to be born into a system that I had no say over what the system was. I had to then operate within that system to get whatever benefit that that system was willing to offer me. And before I get the money that that system promised me, they promised me a million, but before I get to benefit off of that money, what ultimately happens? Wall Street wins, number one. Number two, guess who else wins? This is going to be done in some type of a tax deferred account, which means that's future revenue for the government. But more than that, here's a crazy statistic. And I had to go look this up because it wasn't in his article. Okay. And this is the idea of socialism. Okay. So, um, who stands to benefit from this? Number one, wall street, but number two, it's the government, right? So all of this money is being printed out of thin air. There is no one saying, Hey, I'm just going to write a check of $6,700 for my kids. No, the government's going to write a check for $6,700. Now just take this into consideration, Jimmy. Um, in 2015, it's reported that there were 3.9 million babies born in 2015 in just the U.S., only the U.S. So if that happened every single year and and the government gave $6,700 to every baby born, do you know how much printing of money happens every single year? $26 trillion.
1: Added on to what we're already printing.
0: Added on to everything else we're already printing. So that is like – so now, number one, the government just gets to print and simulate money. And then they get to tax that money in the long run. The Wall Street gets to charge fees on that money. And then here is where, in my opinion, why socialism can never fix capitalism. Like at the end of the day, socialism is, I mean, what and I want to hear your opinion on this first, Jimmy, but what is the general philosophy of socialism? Why does it exist?
1: Because words matter. I actually, Google, we should really get uh, tight on our on our words. So here is the, Dictionary definition of socialism. Awesome. A political and economic theory of social organization that advocates the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. So for me, on just the face of it, uh, exchange cannot be regulated by a community. An exchange occurs between two or three or four individuals, free individuals freely choosing. But- You can't allocate resources based on common good.
0: So, and here's the, here's the part about socialism. I don't know, maybe socialism in a little teeny neighborhood in tribes back in the day did exist, but in the modern economy over the last three, four 500 years, um, socialism has only been perpetuated by government. So it's not the community determining what's in the best interest of the community. It's the government determining what's in the best interest of its, and that's not even citizens at that point, it's subjects, Right. Um, So, look, here's the reality. In in theory, socialism sounds really good because in this world of capitalism, we can easily clearly see that there are winners and there are
1: losers. There are people that- Oh, wait, can I I back you up one second? Yeah. It's not in theory, socialism sounds good. In first order consequences, socialism sounds good. Yeah. On the surface level, the fact that everyone's secured and you can pay everyone- a minimum amount or more than a minimum amount, the first order consequence, sure, that sounds good. But there's there's second and third and fourth order consequences that are just plain nasty. Yeah.
0: And that's what I want to dive into just a little bit. First order consequence, that sounds really good that I don't have to work. I don't have to, I just have to, I can trust. I can be born into a system that I can blindly trust and operate within and have my basic necessities taken care of. By uh, by a loving entity, the loving government, right? Now, Jimmy, you just talked about Stalin earlier. Has like has socialism in practice after the first order consequence, has it ever worked?
1: Uh, no. No.
0: So, and do we have any evidence that our government today is a well-run, smoothly oiled machine, meticulously budgeting their, their finances and ensuring prosperity and completion of laws as they are on the book? Absolutely not. Uh, like the government that's well, in place today would be a disaster and a wreck running the, a, a
1: a program of socialism. It's not just today, Ryan. It's always been messed up. It's it's a very blunt op, It's a very blunt instrument. Government. It can't since it can't rely on individual initiative necessarily. It can't be nimble enough to change fast enough to really ex to do well. It's a slow, blunt instrument.
0: Yeah and and so here's here's where I think the the second order consequences third order consequences really come in and why this system would never work because at the end of the day there's an individual there's a person right and individuals human beings are born with freedom in fact that's what this constitution was founded on this constitution was founded on that human rights they're not given by the government they're god given they're inalienable right if i if i accept the the reality that my my rights come from a government then I also have to accept that same, the other end of the stick that my rights could then also be taken away by the very same government. So if I'm in a position where I have no control over the outcome of my money, right? If I have no incentive or initiative to m- make my life better, then I'm going to find myself stuck. I'm going to find myself devaluing and devolving to the least common denominator. And I think that's really the core problem. In, in my opinion, second, third order consequence I don't control what's going to happen in the stock markets. I now have to be plugged into a system that I may or may not want to operate in. And so at the end of the day, what incentive do I have to go out and to improve my mindsets, my skill sets, my my ability to create value if I'm not being allowed to do that?
1: Or if you're not being given an incentive to do that. If you're being promised security, you have zero incentive. Because I'll be honest with you, my fastest rates of growth generally come after I made a massive mistake. 100%.
0: And that's, I mean, that's the beauty of capitalism, right? And now are there there flaws in capitalism? Absolutely. But the the beauty of capitalism is, Jimmy, you have the ability to go out and look at the world as a consumer or producer. If you look at it as a producer, you're looking for problems, not so you can complain about them, but so you can become and provide the solution to those problems. When you do that, A, you, you realize your, your, your shortfalls and shortcomings as an individual, you then improve those, you develop a product or a service that can solve that problem, and then the immediate gratification or sometimes delayed gratification is there's profit in the terms of someone exchanged value back to you saying, I want you to solve my problem and I'm willing to give you my dollars in exchange for you solving my problem. That then is a reinforcing cycle to say, how do I get better at solving these problems? How do I solve them for more people? How do I increase my education, build a team, all these other things that capitalism is the fuel of producing producers, right? That's really what it is. And producers, their sole purpose is to create and exchange value with other people, period. And yes, we measure that value exchange through dollars, but dollars are irrelevant. It's simply about how much value can I create in exchange and what problems can I solve for other people? And that's, I believe, that's what has contributed to the prosperity that our country and our economy and the global economy at large has experienced over the last 200, 300 years. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, like let's look what has happened since the fall of the Berlin Wall when, you know, let's just take the continent of Africa. Africa's pretty much been opened up to free trade and the poverty levels in Africa are falling exponentially. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the growth rates... uh, now that people in Africa can trade freely, especially with their cell phones, uh, the growth rate there is exponential. And basically, when you allow free individuals to exchange with each other and coordinate action together, good things happen. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, the classic liberal philosophy is you simply need a government to make sure one people don't initiate force against each other, people don't steal, or you know, people can't get away with fraud, lying. But basically, to create fences, because great fences make good neighbors. But mm. the role of government has never been to provide uh, cradle to grave security. And every time that's been promised, really bad things happen, and a lot of people die.
0: Well, and you, you, uh, you, you brought up something when we were offline, kind of, you know, just discussing this this article. You talked about governments might be able to enforce laws, but they can't change human behavior. What is it? What What do you mean by that? That one concept right there, Jimmy. That you can't change. Like a, a law is not going to change human behavior.
1: Yeah, I don't know why, but like the last three years, I've been studying Marxism a lot, and the fundamental flaw of Marxism is, and they say it in their literature. It's so Marxism and socialism. I'm going to throw in the same bucket, but it's that human nature can be um, melded, can be adjusted, can be changed essentially by governments. And it's mm-hmm. just like, that to me is the ideological divide. I think human beings can change, but basic and the really nasty part of human nature, it's like 10,000 years old. And governments have trouble changing light bulbs. I do not <laughs> believe they can change human nature. I yeah, mean, and I think religions have done a decent job over the last 3,000 years, but- uh, especially an atheistic, godless regime. Like I said, uh, you can credit 100 million deaths to socialism and communism in the 20th century. Like, and it's a shame more people aren't talking about this.
0: Well, and and I think, you know, basic human nature is we don't seek out pain, right? We seek out comfort. We do everything that we can. Our subconscious mind is consciously working to figure out ways to keep us safe. And anything that violates our safety or threatens our security is a violation of what we're programmed to do. Our subconscious mind is meant to keep us safe. And so you know being a producer being incentivized will then give you enough motivation and incentive to go out and do something hard to go out and break your comfort zones to go out and push the boundaries and the limits and that's what's created all of human in- innovation over time, right? If if I'm just be- being given my basic, you know, Maslow hierarchy of needs, right? And I have no incentive or ability to progress any further than that, then my conscious is sap- is, is satisfied, right? I need some incentive to go out and push beyond my borders and my limits to expand my possibilities, to push through what my, conscious, my subconscious mind is telling me is safe and secure. I have to have the incentive to go out and push beyond that. And that's, I think, the beauty of capitalism, guys. And at the end of this, you know, there's lots of different angles. Oh, can, can, I, take and can I add
1: a little bit to that, Ryan? Yeah. So you not only need the incentive, but you be- need the belief that it can be done, mm-hmm. that it's possible. And so that's, I, you know, usually I'm the lighthearted guy on this podcast, cracking jokes and everything. And I know I've talked about some morbid things on this one. So I no, I don't apologize, but I recognize it's been a little dark, but the worst part about what is happening to kids today is they're, they're in the most prosperous time in human history and they're being told by these intellectuals yet idiots in schools and in the media that they can't go live their dreams. And that mm. in, that the DAC is stacked stacked against them. And like that enrages me like nothing other because that is a pure failure on our generation to say, hey, you can do anything you put your mind to.
0: Yeah, you know, and we we just did uh, the major definite aim challenge uh, last week. And, you know, we talked about those formidable years of between the ages of two to about 12, when most of your subconscious beliefs and identity are formed. And so it's such a malleable age and an innocent age, right? And to be able to, to inject thoughts and ideas that then become ingrained in someone's subconscious beliefs and identity around what the world is and their worldview and what they are as individuals and what they're capable of, that's a very, very uh, sad thing to see that kids with unlimited potential are being locked into a box. And they're locked into a box then that will govern the rest of their lives unless unless they consciously go in and rewire themselves and rewire their subconscious beliefs and adopt a new identity. And that's really, I think that's really at the heart of the mission of Cashflow Tactics, right? I mean, you know, we talk about financial freedom. That's how we measure, um, you know, what we're, you know, our milestone of what we're trying to accomplish. But more than anything, the sign behind me, it says, rise up. I mean, that's in order for you to live the life that you want, you literally have to become someone new. Like the version of Jimmy that sits in front of us today on this podcast has produced the best results that this version of Jimmy can produce. But his goals and ambitions are a lot bigger than the Jimmy today, which means Jimmy has to rise up and become someone different to make that future desire a present reality by him rising up and pushing through his comfort zones, pushing through his limited beliefs, having a desire that moves him and drives him to get out and do something about it. And so guys, that's really what this mission is all about. And I, you know, I saw this article and on the surface you know, I, I get it. I get it. You know where people are coming from. There is massive uh, income inequality in you know all throughout the globe. But I believe the solution isn't ever going to be given by an external entity. the The solution has to come from inside. And Jimmy, you mentioned it. Belief. Belief is so so powerful. You know, if you grow up in a system and a society and a social circle where the results are limited, right, people are just living up to the the average means that that people can accomplish, then your belief is going to be I'm meant to be average, right? But if you start getting around people that have superseded um, those average results and live an extraordinary life, you're going to start to realize they're no different than you are, right? They're not smarter, better, or more capable than you are. They just have a different belief system about what's possible. And so the more you associate with those like-minded individuals, you increase your level of belief. And I believe you are the expectations of the people you spend the most time with. And so if the expectations of the people you're spending the most time with are very, very low, then what's that going to do for your life? Nothing. I mean, it's going to, it's gonna. your expectations of yourself will be very, very low. So Jimmy, at the end of the day, you know, when I read this article, I understand people are trying to benevolently, you know, bestow gifts and and abundance on other people. But that is
1: not human nature. We're not. I mean, the the problem is, Ryan, the base of the pyramid. They're not the gift of a solid mindset is more valuable than any green rectangle or digit on a screen. Mm -hmm. The gift of a mind. That's a child's true asset. Is instead of just giving these kids cash when they're born, why not give them the mindset and give them the gr- closest version to reality that you can show? Yeah. And so, to me, if this guy wants to help people out, and it's not education like arithmetic, it's it's straight up mindset. It's it's possible you can do it. And then here's you know, let's scratch the surface because you're young, but here's the basic habits you need to start doing it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's that it's that level of greatness that's you know, America is land of the free, home of the brave, right? That's really what it is. It's you can be anything you want to be. You can aspire, you can dream, and then you can work to make those dreams a reality and to become that person,
1: you know, capable of achieving those dreams. And so, yeah, we've can lost I, a lot of it. Can I tap on the whole uh, income inequality thing, which this guy's try? Let me give my thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right, income inequality is like gravity. So- It's the Pareto principle. It's not like in communist Russia, there wasn't income disparity. There was massive income disparity between those in the party and those outside the party. And it wasn't just income disparity. It was freedom disparity. It was, if you're in, you get to live. If you're out, you're going to a gulag. So this belief that capitalism creates income inequality is completely false. Income inequality has existed Since the beginning of time, it's the Pareto principle that um, 80% of the land was owned by 20% of the people, right? Mm -hmm. You know, 80% of the mass of planets, 20% of the planets have it. 80% of books that are sold are sold by 20% of the authors. It's massive income inequality is a part of nature. It has nothing to do about capitalism.
0: Well, and in the Pareto principle, it's even if you, it, even if you flatten that distribution and gave everyone equally within, I can't remember what he, what he postulated and what he proved, but in a matter of months or years, it would be back to 80, 20, like the industrial proactive, uh, people that let, you know, rose up, they would then have 80% of the resources because they would know how to exchange and trade with other people. And they would take them through that exchange, right? That's really what this is all about. So guys, here's the reality. Here's the reality. No one can care more about the success of your financial plan than you. No one can care more about your financial freedom than you. And if you want the things that you say you want, if you're listening to this podcast, no one's going to give it to you. No one is waiting with a blank check that's going to make all of your dreams disappear. And I have sad news for you. And and since we're making this a dark podcast, it's going to be a dark podcast. Like when you're financially free, your problems don't go away. Your problems just get bigger. Okay, now you become bigger to solve bigger problems, but that is the process, guys. The process of life is growing, it's expanding, it's, it's increasing your mindsets and your skill sets to be able to live a bigger life, period. So guys, my friends, we have, a, we have a system to help people do this from the mindsets to the skill sets all the way to the network to help you do it. Inside of Cashflow Tactics, we motivate and inspire you, yes, but we give you the tools and the tactics to help you put that motivation and inspiration to work getting consistent, predictable results. Um, we just came off the tail end of, uh, a workshop that we did, uh, Brad did the workshop where he showed people how to use the tax code, which so, so many people is, you know, people believe the tax code is just about paying taxes. Brad opened up the tax code and show people how to use the current resources that they have from their family to, to uh, the home that they live in to keep the money that you're making. So guys, no matter where you're at, you can achieve financial freedom in 10 years or less. You have to have the desire to do it. You have to have the discipline to do it. And then you have to rise up and take action to do it. So Jimmy, any final words of wisdom from you on this podcast?
1: Um, you know what I'm doing personally, and I'm not going to do it on social media. I'm not going to have spats on Twitter, but, uh, you know, when anyone is having a verbal discussion with me, trying to talk about the merits of socialism and Marxism, I, you know, I'm not doing it in an aggressive manner, but I'm just like, you know, you're wrong. And like, here's the evidence and like, to be intellectually honest, you know, you have to account for the dark side, the, re- you know, the really dark side, because I can account for the dark side of capitalism and have no issue saying there's some problems there, yeah. but you have to be able to account for that. And I don't, <laughs> quite frankly, I think it's unaccountable, impossible yeah, to do so.
0: I agree my friends, uh, if you're listening to this live on Facebook, thank you for joining us today. Uh, If you're on the microphone or on the earphones, I guess, uh, listening to the podcast, thank you for listening. We always ask for a uh, favor, and I'm going to ask you for a Christmas favor because it's Christmas season right now. Take a moment, give us a rating and review. If you're not subscribed yet, do that. And if you find, if you know someone that would get value from thinking like a producer and not waiting for socialism to fix their problems, then share the podcast. My friends, have a great day. We will talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Do you want to connect with me and other empire builders who are on a mission to take control of their financial plans and become financially free in 10 years or less?
1: Well, then join us in our private Facebook group where we get to go deeper into the topics of financial freedom. And it's the only place you can see the actual results of people on their path to financial freedom learn what's working and interact as a community dedicated to becoming financially free. When
0: you join, you'll get immediate access to exclusive training in a private membership area. This training will empower you in your path to becoming financially free and it will fast track your results. This is the only place you get access to this exclusive content. So be sure to join us in the Facebook group now.
1: Just go to cashflowtactics.com forward slash group or head over to Facebook and search Casual Tactics to join.
0: I look forward to you joining us next time on the Rise Up Live Free podcast.